following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another edition of Just in the Show, everybody, uh, where sometimes, Kevin, it does get a little easier. It got slightly easier. <laughs> slightly easier. We got a nice, nice little win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're not going to heap on the praise because it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, but this was a nice win, and you can't take that away from them. And it was a, a nice game for Zach. The Zach Wilson bust alarm is, it's off for now. It's not, it's still there. We've still got the lamp. It's just not yeah. actively lit. I think after this one, this was a pretty uh, crisp <laughs> right. performance for him. I-, I would say with some memorable highlights for the first time, which we haven't seen yet this year. Yeah, absolutely. I I was saying a few weeks ago that I think after one of the performances where we were really down on him, that you know if you were looking at the arc of him compared to somebody like a Josh Allen, like we need to see plays from him that are highlight caliber, like real sign of things to come. And uh, we definitely got that here, the 50-plus yard run, that throw to Connor McGovern. But also just, I think, overall, his ability to make easy throws and also seemed like he was making the right reads on plays, which was another thing that we were worried about. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I think especially considering how decimated the team was roster-wise coming into the week, I thought Zach really, uh, really kind of carried the offense in this one. Yeah, he really did, and I think it wasn't just his running. I mean, obviously, when people look back at the highlights of this game, they're going to see Zach Wilson's 52-yard touchdown scramble, but I think even his throwing in this game was really better than the stats would tell you. So ultimately, Zach ended up finishing 14 for 22 for 102 yards and one touchdown. So not a lot of yards. Again, second straight game with no interceptions for Zach. That's progress. I don't care who you're playing, Jaguars or not. Yeah. And I think he fits some balls into some tight windows. We saw Berrios make a huge catch to keep a drive alive in the fourth quarter where he got absolutely punished. But that was a tight window. Give some credit to Zach. He zipped that ball in there, put it right where it needed to be. He had a similar throw in the first half on a deep end to Keelan Cole. That was, you know, right where it had to be again. Great timing, small window. Zach's finally starting to put it together a little bit against some of the lesser defenses, he's able to feel it out a little bit more. It'd be interesting to see if he had his full complement of weapons against this team's, what he could really do if he had, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, etc. cetera. Uh, one weapon he did have back in this game is Michael Carter, and Carter had a career-high 118 yards on just 16 carries. So Michael Carter ripped off 7.4 yards a carry in this one. Not quite as impressive as Zach's 22.8 yards a carry. Zach went 4 for 91 to set an all-time Jets record for quarterback rushing in one game, but uh, this was a nice day for Michael Carter as well, and I don't think it's an accident that the Jets had probably their most efficient offensive day against the Jaguars defense. Obviously, I think that says a lot about the Jaguars defense, but they still didn't come in here and beat themselves, and they still were able to get the win on defense at the end when it really came down to it. And that is what impressed me most about this game is the Jets defense yeah. standing up at the end of the game when it counted. Yeah, I think that that's true. I mean, I, I still I think I'm probably still down on the defense overall as a unit. And the fact that you can't even like I, it, there were just a, a, so many drives where I was like, 
You know, trying to keep the Jaguars to a three and out should not be something that's like totally impossible to do. And it felt like they were kind of doing a bend but not break thing, right? Like giving up a lot of field goals with them. And I would have liked to see more, you know, outright stops, uh, you know, and trying to get better field position for the offense. But I agree with you in terms of, I mean, it's impossible to ignore the fact that 20 people in the Jets organization are on the COVID list on this game. And so Mm -hmm. in addition to we're talking about for weeks and weeks how kind of thin they are defensively. So it was good to see them actually kind of step up in the face of that. And you're talking about uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you and I are both big fans of Michael Carter, and I think probably pretty much any Jets fan watching every week like this is at this point. But I'll even give a little bit of credit to the offensive line, considering the injuries on that, that, uh, you know, being able to move these players around uh, the offensive line and be able to give room for Michael Carter to make plays and, you know, he's good enough that even when he doesn't have room, he can kind of scramble back to the line of scrimmage. But, yeah, c- coming from both of those things, I think considering the depletion of talent in defensively and the offensive line, they they held their own. Like you said, though, the, the big caveat is it's Jacksonville who's terrible. And, yeah, there, there were a lot of moments in this game. I think I mentioned last week that uh, we're in for some kind of crazy, stupid stuff happening. I think I mentioned safeties, which is like the only thing that didn't happen. We got a fake punt. We had a very questionable, shall we say, fake field goal attempt. We had, we had some, uh, some trick plague uh, chicanery. We had. It was just like <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of crazy stuff in this game all the way through, and it was definitely still Jacksonville's game to lose. It felt like toward the end, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it, it, there. There were more bright spots than I thought coming out of a uh, coming out of kind of a goofy win over Jacksonville. Yeah, I would love to see how many games include both a fake punt and a fake field goal. I mean, that was nuts. I was wondering about that. It can't be that many. Yeah, like, it can't be that many. And I know the Jets were without their head coach, Robert Sala, with this game because Sala himself tested positive for COVID earlier in the week. Right. But the decision on the fake field goal is, what, bizarre at best? The Jets were up by four, I believe. Yep. When they called that play, it was a fourth and five. So they needed, and they needed to get to the three yard line. I think Braden Mann ultimately gets taken down at about the four. They almost made it work. They almost made it work. But if you're up by four, and Jacksonville, it's not like Jacksonville had been moving the ball up and down the field to that point. Wouldn't you just make them? Yeah. Kick, kick the ball off, make them go the length of the field for a touchdown to to tie you. It just didn't make any sense if you wanted it that bad on fourth down. Keep your offense on the field. Which also would have been a dumb play, but it would have been smarter than faking a field goal. <laughs> yes, I I agree. I think uh, I think my angry text messages to you should be an indication <laughs> that, that I agree with that. I think I just sent why with like seven x like why why. So yeah, I didn't fake field. You can just stop at fake field goal up four points. It's like what what are you doing? Why like <laughs> uh, also an interesting part of that play if you go back and watch it. Uh, Braden Mann has two Jaguars he's got to get past as he gets to the edge. Yep. He's got a blocker in front. The blocker is Eddie Pinheiro, his kicker. Yep. If Eddie Pinheiro blocks either of those Jaguars, just pick one of them, leave the other guy alone, try to block one of those guys, Braden Mann can either cut inside or outside based on who Eddie blocks. He probably gets an extra yard. He probably gets the first down. Yeah. Pinheiro just sort of kept running to the end zone <laughs> and then looked behind him and was like, oh, they got you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, was I supposed to be doing something? So that, that bothered me a little bit. I know Eddie's not looking to get hit uh, right, per yeah. se, but come on, man. You gotta, it's, the call is the call. You got to do your job. You got to do your job. You got to throw that block there. You got to get that first down. I didn't like that. Eddie. That was my only criticism of Eddie Pinheiro in this game. Uh, 
I mean, the block kick. Listen, block that kick is where it is. That, yeah, that, that's oh, going to that, happen. That's another one. Missed two, two missed. Well, we had a missed kick, and then they had the they had the great uh, penalty on the point after, and then they go for it and don't get it, <laughs> which is just fantastic. Yeah, which what's what's odd is that, and I I know the analytics say that if you get the half the distance to the goal, if you only need the one yard, the analytics say it's one yard. Just get the two points. <laughs> I've never really understood that. If it doesn't make sense to go for two from the two, it doesn't make any more sense to go for two from the one. I I, I was like, you knew the Jaguars weren't getting that because I'm like, football karma, this play isn't going to work. And then it didn't. Every time a team makes a dumb fourth down decision, it never works. Anytime a team goes for it on fourth down in the flow of the game, where either they have to or really, if you do the calculations, it really makes some sense. They usually pick it up. You ever notice that how football karma works? <laughs> I mean, it's also like the analytics don't point out that like you're the Jaguars and your running back is now out of the game. <laughs> like it's like yeah, just yeah. kick the freaking thing. Like it's so crazy. And I mean, oh man, there was there was some bad coaching, uh, definitely on both sides. But the the down the stretch stuff with Jacksonville was just. Uh, I mean, that run up the middle is just, I've never seen it. I mean, I, I probably have seen something like it, but I was like, as a Jets fan, I was like... We, we've I, definitely seen it when we had Schottenheimer. <laughs> There's no way he yeah. didn't call that for us. Right. The, the dude was the king of the draw play. It was like, on, like honestly, what what is their expectation? What is, what is the positive idea of the... Like, I guess if he gets a touchdown, that's the only thing. Because <laughs> there's no... Because the whole thing is that they need to stop the clock. So it's like, right. even if he gets to the five-yard line, it's like, so what? Now you have to run up and... And then they spiked it on third down. It's just there's so many things where you're just like... And I and now I'm I'm sort of reading people online actually think like kind of hoping that the Jets had blown it at the end for the draft pick and stuff. I was not watching it that way at all. I was like... <laughs> I do not want to get beat by the Jaguars. Definitely don't want to get beat by Trevor Lawrence. And I was happy that they won, but that was crazy. And then the ball goes through Mosley's hands at the end, which was I actually stood up like, yes, he what? What do they mean completely? Like, it, it was such a it was such a heartbreaker. Is this a this is a real barn burner? Is that this was a real one, not like the real barn burner we had before? Uh, an actual oh, uh, not unironic barn burner. No, I I thought I thought that <laughs> yeah, I think C.J. Mosley also thought he had the ball. Yeah, when he when he was pulling away, he was like surprised. He's like, "Did that just go through me?" And then he just kind of <laughs> yeah. threw his hands up, and I was like, "How do you not intercept that ball? That's the whole game oh, in your hands, man, right there." I, I thought for sure the Jaguars getting the touchdown after that. Yeah, but there too. were a couple of plays that confused me. It wasn't just the uh, random run up the middle that didn't make any <laughs> sense. It was at the at the end. You notice it's third and goal, uh, and because Marvin Jones caught the ball through C.J. Mosley at the one, they're hurrying up to spike it so they could have one more shot on fourth down. The Jaguars spiked the football with about 14 seconds left on the clock. Why wouldn't you just get up to the line and run something? What pass play takes 14 seconds? <laughs> Why would they had time for two shots at the end zone? Yeah, I if know. you don't get it, it's incomplete. Just don't throw it in the field to play, obviously. Right. Throw it in the end zone. You're, you're at from the one. That shouldn't be too hard. Don't run a draw play. <laughs> right, don't run a draw play. Do not run. If you don't get it, you still have, you know, six, seven, maybe it takes a little bit of time, three. I mean, that's plenty of time for two plays. They snapped it with 14. So the spike, just like, okay, you just gave us an, an extra down. Thank you very much. Now you only have one shot. Yeah, thanks And I think it was, it was a Pinnock who came in at the end. <laughs> yeah. Pinnock, by the way, who had an excellent day playing safety at a position. He had a good day. I should insult players on here more often. They have great games after I insult them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Hey, Keelan Cole, you stink. See if that works. I don't know. <laughs> I heard that guy's trash. 
<laughs> reverse jinx. Yeah, reverse jinx. <laughs> They started a rookie corner and a guy off the street at safety, and I think they both played pretty well, and I think it probably explains your point earlier about playing sort of a softer bend-don't-break. Yeah. I think if they're not playing two safeties who have no business playing safety in the NFL, they probably call a more aggressive game plan against right. Jacksonville. I think any they showed they proved that any time you put any sort of pressure on Trevor Lawrence, he will crack and either uh, fumble the football or throw it out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for as good as Zach looked um, yes. playing yeah, on his I feet agree. in this game, I mean, it wasn't just the 52-yard touchdown. Every time that Zach was pressured, he found a way to use his legs to get out of it, to buy himself an extra second, you know, the, uh, the game-winning touchdown to McGovern. That's exactly what we saw, right? It was, you know, let me just get out to my right. Let me buy myself a little bit of time. And, yeah. and he made a really good throw to find this guy. Trevor, I thought, was the opposite. Anytime he had to use his legs at all to, to get out of pressure, I think he was awful. There were some great announcing moments, though. One of them was after Lawrence had the fumble. The uh, the play-by-play, uh, or yeah, the I don't remember. I, it wasn't Catalan, too. We were excited. For, it was Spiroditas. Yeah, it's like, okay. So... It's like, well, what what's something that, uh, you know, in your opinion, like what's something that uh, Lawrence should have done on that play? And the guy's like, can't fumble the ball. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean. The man's sure. not wrong. Uh, yeah. He's not wrong. But he's like, <laughs> you know, you either have to tuck it under and, or, or, or throw it. And it's like, yeah, that's true. You can't just like be holding the ball out. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that was that was one. And then the other one was after the draw play. It, it just <laughs> just he's like. That call doesn't. I don't see that call making sense at all. <laughs> it's just amazing. It was like I love when they're like, "All right, let's just admit it. That was dumb." Like they're so close to being like, "What the?" Fuck? <laughs> you know, just it's times like that where you think I could do that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think he should have fumbled it there. Okay. Mosley <laughs> drops that pick. You're like, "Oh man, he really should have caught that one." You know, like, yeah, it. should he have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went through both of his hands, so yeah, I would say yeah. Considering the importance uh, on the game script to that play, yeah, I think he should have reeled that one in. <laughs> After watching this game, Kevin, would you go back and take Trevor Lawrence over Zach if you had the chance? Let's say the picks were reversed and the Jets had the number one this time around and the Jacksonville Jaguars had the number two. Would you pick Trevor or seeing what you saw, would you stick with Zach? Any other week of the year, I would have said Trevor Lawrence. And I still might, but now I don't know. Yeah, He looked real bad, and Zach looked real competitive against the better defense. Our defense is worse than Jacksonville, just based on who we're throwing out there on the field personnel-wise. Yeah, that that's, wow, that's, that's an interesting one. I mean, it's not even just this game, too. I mean, Lawrence, you just haven't seen anything from really all year. I mean, of course, we were saying the exact same thing about Zach, like, a couple weeks ago, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to think about because I think if, if the situation had played out the way that, like, you know, if the Jets had not won those, the Rams and Cleveland games last year, then... There's no way we would be like, oh, man, I wish they took Zach, I don't think. You know, I, I mean, in terms of when the draft actually happened, you wouldn't be like. Yeah. But after watching this game, I think I I think I agree with you that I will at this point say stick with Zach because if you're not seeing it from either guy, I don't think you're seeing anything in Lawrence that I would say, 
Oh, yeah, man. I really, really wish he, Zach, had that one thing, though. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think that, I think, Zach, you can still see that. You're starting to really see it, I think, with the arm strength and the mobility. And I'd kind of rather have, like, rather root for a player like that than root for a, a type of player like Lawrence. But, of course... Watch us revisit this like halfway through next year when like Lawrence is on like his MVP run and we're like starting Josh Johnson somehow again like <laughs> something. I believe did Josh Johnson start for the Ravens last week? Did they pluck him off the practice squad to go out there? He sure did. And they they scored some points. I was proud of him. Yeah, I was like, oh wow. And I looked up his Wikipedia page, and this is the second time he's been on the Ravens, and he's been on the Jets twice, including this year. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Th- we we haven't seen the last of Josh Johnson in this league. He's he's never going away. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's he's got a little bit of Fitzpatrick in him. Josh Johnson's just not bad enough to not be on someone's practice squad. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. good enough to be a number two, really, on any team <laughs> in the NFL. But he's yeah. just like he's he's better than every scout team quarterback, right? Like it's like he he's just good enough to have a job in this league. He's right <laughs> yeah. on the fringe. Every time he goes in, Jerry, you're like, oh, okay, this guy, you know, I wouldn't start him, but like, he doesn't just outright <laughs> suck. He's, he he could do some stuff. It's really fascinating to me. I'm always curious about, like, what their – this would be a whole other podcast, but I'm curious about, like, what their lives are like, like just moving from city to city, like, every year or, like, multiple times a year or, like, how that all works. <laughs> I guess, like, you just have to step in and be able to be like, okay, guys, I'm not really the quarterback, but I'm going to lead you right now. Like, that has to be – there must be some kind of – uh there must be some way that, that 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 personality type works out where you can like, yeah. just step in and be like, all right, guys, listen to me for right now, and then the other guy will be back. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Josh Johnson should be the only multimillionaire on the planet who lives in a mobile home. I think that's really the best solution for him because he could tow his house yeah. to whatever city he plays on <laughs> that week. Or it could be like that movie Up where he just hooks it up to balloons and then just lands in another city. <laughs> yeah, that, that might yeah. be less practical. Less practical. but <laughs> Is there like a luxury version of the mobile home? Is there such yeah. thing as a quadruple wide, right? Maybe something like that. <laughs> I think we, they, they could accommodate him. Yeah. Seriously, like does he rent apartments? <laughs> I really need it. Josh Johnson, call into <laughs> just in the show. We want to know about your living situation i mean a lot of rich people live in hotels living in hotels is classy dude that'd be pretty clutch yeah he's just like how long do you think i'm gonna be here Harbaugh? Uh, should i get a room or what you yeah <laughs> sleep in the practice facility like baker mayfield in those commercials i saw something on twitter today that's like george fant didn't allow a single pressure for two straight games he's like pro football focus's highest rated tackle and was left tackle what he originally played? Is that what's going on? I think it is, yeah. right? Is that the problem? I think yeah. Fant, yeah, I think Fant was like a mad left tackle, so he kind of got branded as like a backup-ish fringe starter around the league, which means they're mostly going to end up playing right tackle. And so that's where he kind of ended up playing in Seattle. And so we signed him as a right tackle. But I think naturally, I think if you asked him what he'd prefer, I think he's a left tackle. Really? Yeah. And he clearly it's- seems more comfortable there. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, I, I think that, like I said, the the offensive line coming off of uh, a bunch of bad games actually played pretty well. Again, we're talking about the Jags, but he's been really good. I know I've noticed it, but I didn't actually know that part of it, that he's like one of the best out there right now. So George Fant will be an unrestricted free agent in 2023, which means they okay. do have Fant under contract for next season. So considering that season. Morgan Moses isn't under contract for next season, the simple solution is you just move Fant back to right tackle You've got Becton coming back. You've got Elijah Vera Tucker. And 
probably, I would assume, Duvernay Tardif resigns. I'm not positive what his contract situation is. I don't think it goes beyond this season. But I think he's played well enough, and he's still young enough uh, to merit a real flyer from the Jets. Hopefully they can yeah. go out and get maybe a center and free agency. Not that the Jets have a terrible center play this year, but I don't think um, they've got their franchise center. They haven't really had a franchise center since Nick Mangold retired. Yeah. I would love to see the Jets use one of those two first-round picks on a center this year, which, by the way, that reminds me of the Seahawks' loss. So if you're concerned about uh, the Jets should have lost for draft pick reasons, it's okay. Yeah. The Seahawks uh, lost a really embarrassing game to the Bears. The Bears had absolutely no business winning that game. So congratulations to Nick Foles. <laughs> Congratulations to Big Dick yeah, Nick, the Chicago Big Bears, who made it happen. Back. <laughs> they were losing that game, and it's just more false magic. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. like, how much time he has in the pocket, who he's throwing to. Do. The dude just wins football games. He's amazing. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta. Love, we always have to thank Nick for for beating Tom in the in the in the Super Bowl, and uh, and and yeah, that was something. But yeah, I love I love seeing Seattle be really bad this year just with this pick. It's so crazy. It's really helping us out. It's really making that trade look good. Yeah, I, I still think it's because Russell Wilson's playing with nine fingers. But, hey, let's keep, yeah. let's keep that train keep rolling right into the ground, Seattle. <laughs> no so need to put if, Gino in there. <laughs> no need to play Gino. If you could have your pick eventually surpass us, if you could win fewer games than us, even better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll take yours first because we're pretty much locked in at three with, with this win against the Jags, right? The Lions, with their almost win against the Falcons, weren't able to clinch it. So the Lions, it looks like, are going to stick at one. The Jaguars are going to stick at two. In all likelihood, we've got two games to go, but in all likelihood, the Jets are sitting at three. So we could have two. They're definitely going to be two top eight picks, maybe even two top six picks, if this keeps going poorly for Seattle. This could be gold. And Jamal Adams, by the way, has barely played this year. So this trade just keeps looking better and better. It's just getting better and better. Not that we couldn't use a safety, you know, but whatever. We could use a safety. That's true. But, uh, yeah, no, this is looking good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, that there's something where you can definitely point to as like, well, there's definitely a move that went well. There's no way you can look at it and say that they, well, they maybe they screwed themselves out of that. No, that works. And so hopefully they don't ruin the draft by picking the wrong guy. You know, that's the hope. Let's take a break. And then I want to talk about next week's matchup against Tampa. Tom, I presume angry coming off the shutout against New Orleans, out all of his frustration on the poor, poor Carolina Panthers. I know that I immediately reneged on my own advice from last week's podcast. I said, if you bet on Jets-Jags, that you belong in jail. I weirdly stand by that, even though I bet on Jets-Jags as part of the parlay and won, because Trevor Lawrence is awful. Shout out Trevor Lawrence. But (laughs) I am not going back to the well this week. You could give the Jets 27 points, and I'm not taking it. There's no way. Yeah, we were hoping at this point in the year that these last two teams down the stretch, the Bucks and Bills, weren't going to need these games. But the way things have shaken out, it seems like they're gonna they're gonna play right. That the Bucks are still playing at least for seeding purposes. So we're going to uh, see Tom Brady play against the Jets, and that was not something that I'm looking forward to seeing. The only way that you involve this game in any of your bets this week is if you're making like a one of those like big fat money line favorite parlays that some of us have been known to do. Yeah. And you want to throw the the Tampa, you know, minus 750 <laughs> to win in that parlay. Some podcast hosts who will remain nameless have done been known to do these from time to time. Some of us have even done it with Tampa and then uh, lost hard <laughs> when they get shut out by the Saints. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, for example. Uh, as we record this on Monday night, I'm looking forward to uh, Saints-Dolphins, by the way. 
I do not like the Dolphins, Kevin. I don't know if you know that about me. Wow. That's that's not the first time I've heard that, but uh I'm not surprised here. No, I yeah, I agree with that. I uh that they that we should not be be betting this game. Are the Jets getting thirteen and a half? Is that the amount? I can't remember. I'd be surprised if it's under two touchdowns. Thirteen seems low to me, to be honest. Coming out of the the Jags thing, I think we're looking at some positives from the team, but yeah, I mean, I just don't think that uh, the Jets can do anything against real elite teams at all this year, as we've already seen in like the previous games against, like, say, the Bills or the Colts or these teams that we're agreeing are pretty elite. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a pretty bad uh, bloodbath. And it's not a scenario where you're playing the Saints who have like a, a sneaky good defense and for some reason seem to have Tom Brady's number. Whatever the opposite of having somebody's number is, that's the Jets in this scenario. He's taken it out a little bit worse on Buffalo if you actually go back and study the stats. Yeah. Uh, but Brady against the Jets has been more or less automatic as well uh, for about the last 20 years. So I doubt he's going to take it easy on us now, now that he's out of New England. <laughs> is this the t- first time we're facing Tampa Brady? I think it is. It is, yeah. I believe so. Do you think it's the last time we see a Brady versus the Jets game? That's an interesting idea. I do not. I think he's going to play till he's 85. Yeah, he's going to retire at 65. And <laughs> So I think we're about halfway done with him. We're probably about halfway there in the, in the career of Tom Brady. Yeah. It's been a rough half so far. <laughs> Hopefully the second half goes better. Yeah. No, we'll see him again. That's going to do it for us here at Just End the Show. Enjoy next week's game if you can, everybody. Maybe bring some beer. <laughs> Stay inside. Don't go to the bar. Don't get, this co- it's outside. This COVID. What are, what are you going to the bar for? Watch this one from the couch. Grab a couple of beers. Put on your, like, slippers you just got for whatever holiday and, like, your hot cocoa mix and throw some Baileys in there. You're good to go. Just, just ride it out. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Kevin, take us out. Just End the Show. Just End the Show.